Welcome, church experience, to another impactful service together. We get to spend time singing, learning from a message, um, and just growing in our faith together. I cannot wait. You know, you might have a prayer request, a comment, you want to get a hold of us. Go ahead and scan that QR code, or you can go to www.churchexperience.tv backslash connect, and we would love to hear from you. You know, another way to stay up to date with us is to hit that subscribe button right there. <laughs> if you want to stay up on things and know what's going on, don't miss out. Um, but you know what? I am ready for this impactful message. So let's enjoy our time together. Go ahead and stand and let's sing some songs. Darkness, my God, that 
Thank you, Jesus. Our way maker, our light in the darkness. Thank you for reminding us exactly who you are. You never stop working in our lives. You're a powerful, almighty God. Thank you for constantly working around us. Father God, just move in our midst. We worship you. We worship the name of Jesus. That is who you are. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Jesus, amen. Well, I'm so happy that you're here with us today, but I'll tell you what I'm sad about. I'm sad that most of us will live our lives without purpose and we will die without leaving a legacy. If you lean in today, I believe God is going to stir within you a greater sense of purpose and help you to see a more vivid path towards leaving a legacy with your life. That's where we're going. We're talking about leaving a spiritual legacy. And today we're going to be in John chapter 1. And I hope that you'll join me and open up your Bible, power it on, because God's word is alive and active. And God's got some things that he wants to say to you today that I believe could truly help you to live more on purpose for him and to truly leave a legacy. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. It's talking about John the Baptist, the one who came before Jesus to pave the way for him and to tell others about the coming Messiah. And it says that the two of his disciples uh, were there with him. And when they saw Jesus passing by, he, John, said to them, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard them say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, let me just pause for a moment. This would be really uncommon for one rabbi, one teacher to point to another and, and encourage his followers to go follow that other rabbi. There's a little bit of a competitiveness and who, who would follow which rabbi. And if they had a following, that gave credibility to them. But this is unique because John the Baptist, his whole mission was to point to Jesus, the Lamb of God, meaning the sacrificial Lamb of God, the one who came to die for our sins. And so these followers of John the Baptist, they go to follow Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 38, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. Can you imagine? They spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, 
son of John, you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So here you have these two disciples that follow Jesus to spend some time with him. And then one of them, as soon as he experiences Jesus, he immediately goes and he gets his brother and he says, hey, you've got to come and experience Jesus yourself. He brings him to Jesus. Being a bringer is a massive part of your purpose and mine. Bringing people not to a religion, bringing people not just to a service, but bringing people to the Savior of their souls, bringing people to Jesus. That purpose is intertwined with your faith. In fact, I've heard it said that there's no level of spiritual maturity that you can get to that exists separate from having a passion for people who are spiritually lost. A huge part of your purpose and your legacy is to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's what's going on here. These, these brothers, one of them experiences Jesus and he goes immediately to his family and he says, hey, you've, you've got to come experience what I have experienced. You've got to come hear about Jesus. Now, one of the most natural things in the world is when you experience something special is to go tell others about it, right? I mean, can you think of the last time that you found a new show or you tried a new restaurant? Maybe you heard a new song from a new band. And do you remember what the first thing that you did after you experienced it? Like a, a big part of the whole experience was not just what you, what you experienced, but was you going to tell your friends and your family what you heard or what you tasted, right? I mean, it was the most natural thing in the world was to say, hey, you guys have got to go eat over here. You've got to watch this show, right? And, and have you ever had anybody do that to you, right? And, and you went and you tried oat milk in your latte, and you're like, no, that's not good at all. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter like, if it was a really good experience or not. If it was special to you, you had a desire to share it with others. And they may or may not have accepted it and agreed with it or felt as passionate about it as you did. But there's something fulfilling about sharing some special experience. And when you get to share the experience of Jesus with others, there's nothing quite like it. It helps awaken a purpose inside of you to see the light go on for someone else. For them to experience what you have experienced in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And, and here in this story, Andrew brought his brother Simon, who Jesus changed his name to Peter, gives him this nickname, The Rock, Peter. He invites his brother, and his life's, the life of his brother is radically changed forever. Think about what happened to Peter. Peter goes from being a fisherman to a follower of Jesus till after Jesus is resurrected, right? Do you remember this? Peter is the one that was chosen to preach at Pentecost. And on one day, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. 3,000 people in one day. And that's this fisherman, this, this ordinary fisherman, Peter, who was invited by his brother, Andrew, to come and experience Jesus. Now, that's a legacy. Talk about a legacy. Andrew invited his brother who invited thousands of people to come experience Jesus. Andrew didn't invite them personally, but the person he invited did. That's an incredible legacy. You know, there's very few things that you and I can do that will last forever. Think about it. I mean, of all the things that you can build and accomplish and achieve. I mean, all the things that we can do in this life, there's very few things that will last forever. I mean, there's very few things that will last beyond your lifetime, beyond you. But there's some things that are eternal. There's some things that really matter forever. And as it tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, one of those things is bringing people to Jesus. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Did you know that that word right there is not just for preachers? It's not just for missionaries. It's for all of us as believers to preach God's word to others, to share the good news of Jesus, what he's done in our life. And listen, some of us are not sharing our faith because we don't know what to say and we're concerned about the questions and the doubts that others might have. Do you know what's always relevant when it comes to bringing people to Jesus? It's your own story. It's your own experience. And Andrew went to his brother and he said, he said, Peter, Simon, you've got to come experience what I've experienced. The Messiah, the one that we've always been waiting for, this Christ that we've been told about, I found him and you've got to come experience him as well. Your story, your personal experience is always relevant. Yeah, there might be some questions that you can't answer and you say, hey, I, I need to get back to you on that. But what is always powerful is for you to say, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you what he means to me. You've got to come and experience what I've experienced. That's what Andrew did and it changed Peter's life and it changed everyone's life that Peter touched after that point. If there's one thing I'd really want you to capture today, if there's one thing I'd want you to know, it's, it's this right here. Who am I bringing to Jesus? Because that's my spiritual legacy. Who am I bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who in your life, in your circle, in your family needs to be brought to Jesus? Because that is your spiritual legacy. Notice the first thing that Andrew did is he went and he told his family. Now, admittedly, telling our family about Jesus is one of the most awkward parts of sharing our faith. It just, it absolutely is. And, and part of the reason is this because it's just, it's just awkward with family and a lot of conversations that are more serious, right? Because you've tried to go there before, right? And it didn't go so well, right? And, and it might create awkward ripples throughout the family and you, you don't know how that's going to go the next time the family gets together. Is it going to be weird? And like, we don't need that. Like you've tried that, you've been there. And it's just, we don't want that, right? And, and then there's also like the who am I question, right? Because they know all about your past. They know about how you lived before Jesus. <laughs> they know about some failures and mistakes you had even after you started following Jesus. And so it's like, do I have any credibility here? Like who am I to tell my family about Jesus? They know about all my failures and flaws. And so we have all, these, all this, this tape running in our mind of reasons why we don't share with the people that are closest to us, our family, our friends. But Andrew, the first thing he does when he finds Jesus is he goes and tells his family. And it's hard to take family, people close to us where they don't want to go, to go there in a conversation. It can be awkward, it can be difficult to get someone to go where they don't want to go. The other night I was hanging out around the house, I was getting tired, and I told Jennifer, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go to bed real soon, I'm gonna go brush my teeth, but are you gonna stay up for a while, or are you gonna join me? And she said, well, I, I still got a lot of work to do, and I said, well, I, I hope you'll come to bed quick, because I'm tired, and I'd love to have you come to bed with me, and she's like, all right, I'll, I'll be there soon, let me finish it up, and, and so I go brush my teeth, and I hop in bed, and she's still not there, and I'm there in this dark room, it's cold, I'm ready to fall asleep, but it's a lot better to have my wife fall asleep next to me than fall asleep by myself, so I pick up my phone, because I'm comfy in bed, I, I'm trying to stay warm, and She's in the kitchen, and so I, I start messaging her from my phone to hers. And I start sending her funny memes about, hey, come to bed. I'm freezing in here. And I was like, this dude's like shaking. He's freezing cold. I'm like, just, just go to bed. I'm freezing. Like, come to bed. I'm like, just forget about your email. Delete all, right? I'm just sending her. I'll lighten her phone up. No response. Like, no response. I'm like, fine. I'm taking it to another level. And so I, I pull out my Alexa app, and we have an Alexa in the kitchen. And so I, I call Alexa on my phone. So the speaker in our kitchen is saying like, hey, babe, like come to bed. I'm tired. Like, where are you? Like, you're supposed to be in bed. Come on. No response. I'm like, what is up with that? 
So finally, I give up. I'm like, all right, whatever. So the lights are out. I'm there falling asleep by myself. And right before I fade out of consciousness into sleep, I feel something brush up against the back of my neck. And before I can even process what's happening, I'm going into freak out mode because I'm thinking, like, what creature has got into my house and is in my bed? And I am just freaking out, like, what? Because something just brushed up against my neck. I'm like, what was that? And then all of a sudden, as I'm in freak out mode, I hear my wife laughing hysterically from on the ground next to the bed. <laughs> I've been trying to get her to come into the room. And little did I know, she did come into the room, but she snuck in there quietly on the ground and reached her hand up behind my pillow just to mess with my head, just to mess with me, literally to mess with my head. And so I'm laughing, and she's laughing. And, you know, I, I know what it's like to try to get someone to, to go somewhere where they, they're not ready to go yet. And I, I was trying everything I had. And, and I know you've been there too, right? You've tried to get family to go there and have those conversations about faith. You've tried to get them to come into the room of faith or maybe to come actually into a room of a, a church service and you've invited them, but it's been awkward. It hasn't maybe gone how you thought it would and, and, you, and you hoped that you could make a difference in their life. And Andrew knew that the best gift that he could give to his brother, the greatest gift that he could give to his family was, was the gift of Jesus. And so even though it's admittedly awkward to talk about Jesus with other people who don't know him and don't believe the same things that you believe, and it's really difficult to compel people to go where they don't want to go, to talk about things they don't want to talk about, despite the complications of trying to bring people to Jesus, listen, the best way to help my family is to bring them to Jesus. The best gift that you can give to the people that you care about whether it's a coworker or a cousin, the best gift that you can give them is Jesus. Listen, they have problems that you won't be able to fix. There's some darkness in their soul that you can't even see. There's desires that you can't meet and that were, you were not meant to meet. Jesus is the one that can fulfill every desire, that can meet every need, that can fix every bit of brokenness. Listen, there's one person that can fix all their problems and it's not you. Sure, you should help them as much as you can. That's why you're in their life to help them. But all I'm trying to say is the best help that you can give your family, the best help that you can give the people you care about is to bring them to Jesus. That's it. I was talking to a good friend recently, and he was telling me about how his dad was a good dad, but he didn't teach him everything he needed to know. For example, he didn't teach him about money. He had to learn some hard lessons about money. Maybe you did too. And, and maybe you've had to learn some of those lessons that you're still paying off now from mistakes that you made when you were younger because someone didn't teach you what you needed to be taught. And listen, if you're a parent, if you're around kids, there's certain conversations I get that are awkward to have, <laughs> but they still need to be had. You teach your kids, you train them up so that when they're older, that they're equipped to handle whatever life throws at their way. And let's just use money as a brief conversation to represent a larger category of things that we would like to do to help our kids, to help people we care about. We would, sure, we'd love to and need to teach our kids about money. I was so blessed. My parents, when I was young, taught me how to manage money well. I went around knocking on my neighbor's doors to collect the money from the paper route that I was delivering papers to the house on. And, and I'd see the car in the driveway, the lights on, they wouldn't answer the door. And I'm thinking, like, come on, man, just answer the door. I, I've got to pay the newspaper company so I can get my few dollars. I'm this little elementary school kid just waiting for them to come to the door. And, and sure enough, they eventually come to the door after I knock enough and I take my few dollars home. And I'm so happy because I'm going to go spend this money, right? And my, my parents are like, hey, son, pump the brakes. All this money's not yours. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I earned it. I knocked on those doors. I delivered those papers. They said, no, no, no. The first 10% is God's because he gave you the ability to work. 
he gave you the opportunity and the mind to think. And so you want to give it to him because you want his blessing on all 100%. So you need to give back to him the first because all of it's his. And I said, okay, I'm down with that. So I can go spend the other 90. And they said, no, no, no. No, you want to be wise with your money. Most people spend 105% of what they earn. And what you're going to do is you're going to spend 80% and you're going to give the second 10% to savings. So you're going to give the first 10 to God, the second 10 to savings. You're going to live on the other 80%. And I said, okay, well, that's a pretty good deal. Eight out of $10 I get to keep and spend. That, that works for me. And so, so that's how I, I try to live. And for the majority of my life, I've tried to live that way. It's not always been easy and I haven't got it right all the time. But for the majority of my life, I've tried to live that way. It was a huge blessing my parents gave me to, to manage money well. And I hope that you, if you have kids in your life, that you will help them by teaching them how to manage money well. Teach them how to budget. Teach them why debt is a really bad thing that's going to put shackles on their future. Teach them to be wise, to honor God with what he's given. It will be a blessing in their life that will move them closer to him. There's so many blessings that can come out of helping your kids manage money well or any other topic. But let's use money for an example. This is important. Let's say you teach your kids to manage like Dave Ramsey, and they are an expert in finances. Let's say you teach your children how to save up for a home in retirement, and they have all the wealth that they need to live this life. And they grow up and they have all the wealth in the world, yet they don't have Jesus in their heart. They die rich in the world's eyes, but they die in spiritual poverty. And you never see them again because they perish in hell. Did you really help your kids if you taught them to be wealthy? If you taught them to be successful? If you helped them be well educated, but you never gave them the gift of Jesus? What help did you actually give them? And we have parents who are running their kids ragged all over the world because they want them to be successful in a sport so that they can get into college so that they can get a good job, so that they can be successful. And all of this to the detriment of we don't have time to go to church, we don't have time to pray together as a family, I don't have time to sit down and teach you family devotions because we're so busy chasing all these things and without even realizing it, they're trying to help their kid, but they're not giving them the best gift that they could give them, which is to bring them to Jesus. I would contend that if you give your kid Jesus and you don't deliver all the other areas like you'd want to, My friend that I was telling you about earlier, he loves Jesus and he's living a great life, even though his parents missed some key areas that they probably should have and could have taught him. He gave him the greatest gift that he could possibly be given. Are you helping the people that are closest to you in the area that they need the most help in? And that's their spiritual life, a relationship with Jesus. It's the most important thing in the world because, listen, that's the why behind everything else that you want to teach them. If you're teaching your child, let's go back to money one more time. If you're teaching your child about money, why do you want to teach them how to manage money well? Is it so that they can be prosperous and successful? Sure, you probably want that for your children, but is that really the greatest thing you want for them? No. You want them to love the Lord and live for him and honor him and live a life of integrity and character. And in this life with a legacy of their own and having lived on purpose, filled with a life filled with love and joy and peace. That's what you want for your kids, right? So, so follow me on this. When you're teaching them how to budget, what you should do, you're not saying, hey, just here's how to budget well so you can have money when you're older. You're saying, hey, hey son, hey, daughter, here's why you need to manage this $100 that you have really well. Because one day it will be 1000 or 10000 And you'll be responsible for more. And if you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with more. And the reason why you would want to be faithful with a little or more is for one reason. Because you have a faithful God 
and you're his servant and he's your master and everything in your life should be done unto him. Whatever you do, it says in the Bible, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. Because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It tells us in the scripture, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So son, daughter, like the, the help I want to give you is not just to teach you how to budget. It's to teach you who you're budgeting for. It's not just to teach you to manage your life well. It's to teach you who you're managing your life for. And if I can help you find Jesus, that's the greatest why behind life. Why do I live? Why do I do anything? Why do I work? Why do I give my best at what I do? It's because I'm doing it for someone, not for something. Not for a paycheck, not for a reputation, not for a retirement. I'm doing it for someone, for Jesus. And if you can help your family, if you can help your friends find Jesus, you give them the greatest purpose in life. And in helping them find the greatest purpose in life, listen, you'll find your purpose in life the purpose that matters for all of eternity. You want to have a legacy? You want to do something that will last forever when your name has been forgotten here on earth? Help people find Jesus because that's eternal. That will live on inside of them forever. That's the greatest mission on planet earth. And that's why Jesus came. In Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And with that one sentence mission statement, he showed us his hand. He said, this is why I'm here. I've not come for, to call the, the healthy, I've come for the sick. It's the sick who need a doctor. And I've come to help those who are sick in sin and lost spiritually. I've come to help them find the Father and be reunited with the loving Father in heaven. And so what I'm trying to say here is the greatest gift that you can give someone is to teach them the why behind everything that you are trying to help them with. And the why is Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. And so that's what's happening here. One brother is inviting another. And, and let's rewind back in the story. Let's take a look at this again in verse 39. These two, they, they go to spend time with Jesus, and he says, come, he replied, and you will see. It's always an invitation to come and experience Jesus, bringing people to him. And Jesus is inviting us to come. And look at that. He says, come, and you will see. So look at this. So they went, and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. What an amazing gift. Did you see that? They spent the day with Jesus. What would it look like to spend a day with Jesus? Did you realize you can do that anytime? You can go out on the beach or you can do it in your backyard, but you could spend a day with Jesus. You spend an hour with him. You could spend time with him as you work. In fact, every day should be spent with Jesus. But they literally got to spend time with Jesus. I just wonder what that would have been like. It would have been incredible. It's an amazing thing. And, and Jesus invited them. He said, come and see. And that's what he's saying to your family. That's what he's saying to your friends. And he's, he's wanting to use you to be the mouthpiece to say to them, hey, come, come and experience me. There's something more than what you've been living for. There's a story I, I came across of, a young boy who asked his dad, he said, Dad, how much do you make an hour? And the dad was a little offended that his, his son wanted to know how much he made an hour. He says, well, why, why do you want to know how much I get paid? And, and the son's like, well, I, I just want to know, Dad. And he was really persistent. And the dad's like, fine, I, I make $40 an hour. And, and, and the son's like, okay, all right, th that's great. Thank you, Dad. And, and he's like, uh, well, Dad, can, is it okay if I have 20? And now the dad's really frustrated. He's like, well, why do, you, why do you want $20 if you know that I work really hard? to make $40 an hour, and you want me to just give you $20, like a half hour of, of what it takes for me to work and earn this money, you want me to just hand it over to you? He's like, he's like fine, I'll, I'll give you $20. He's a little upset inside, but he's like, I'll give you $20. He says, 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 thank you very much, and dad hands him the $20, and he pulls this little box out, and he opens it up, and, and, and he starts scavenging through this box and, and pulling out money. And as he's counting his money, the $20 his dad gave plus the money he had already saved, now the dad's really getting frustrated because he's thinking, well, if you already had money, why did you just ask me to give you more money, especially if you know how much it takes for me to earn that money? 
And the son counts up his money, and the dad just says, well, what is it that you're trying to save up and buy? And as the kid counts up his money, he, he says, Dad, I, I'm not trying to buy anything. And he hands all the money to his dad. He said, Dad, I, I had 20, and I just wanted to know how much more I needed to buy an hour of your time. He just wanted the time with his dad. It wasn't something he wanted. He was someone. Time is relationship gold. Time is relationship gold. It's the most important thing. And Jesus is saying to you, like he said to these disciples, come and you will see. Come spend some time with me and, and you'll, you'll experience what I'm talking about. And, and this is what he's wanting to whisper into the hearts and the lives of the people you care about. Hey, just come. Come spend some time with me. Come experience me. And you will see that this is the greatest treasure on earth. As it says in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you see that? Taste and see. Come and experience how good God is. And when you taste and experience Jesus, you will know that he is good. But it comes after you experience him, after you learn about him, after you spend time with him and walk with him, then you start to know that he is good because you see his good ways in your life and you see the good fruit that results from the choices that he now helps you make. And you experience the goodness of his presence and the kindness of his character. And you know that he is good. And that experience is available to you anytime, every day, but not just for you, for the people that you care about. But I get it. They've had other experiences, right? They've experienced this thing, things both good and bad. Maybe bad experiences with religion or good experiences in the world that are competing experiences, and you're trying to help them find Jesus, and they have these other experiences. And, and sometimes we, ex, we experience things that, that cause us to believe certain things, whether they're true or not. And the important thing is that we find truth. And that your friends find truth. Because you can be absolutely confident that your parachute's going to open when you jump out of an airplane. But if it's, if it's not a good parachute, if it's not packed right, you might be confident when you jump out. But it's not going to save you. And so your friends might have firmly held beliefs. But if it's not truth, which is based on God's word, it's, it's not good life insurance. It's not something worth building your life on. And our job is to help them experience truth to where they experience the goodness of who God is, to where they'll look back and they'll say, well, thank you for sharing this, this truth with me. I can see now that God is good. I had a friend who I uh, was recently connecting with that, that I've known for quite some time, and, and, and she was telling me about how she had met somebody, and, and actually a group of a few people who believe things differently than she has always believed. Her Christian beliefs have always been really strong, but they believe things differently than she believes when it comes to sexuality and, and what was right and what was wrong. But she told me that said they were really nice people. And I could tell that it was starting to influence what she believed because she met some people who were really good and nice people. But they believed differently than she believed. And I could tell she was starting to change and adapt some of the things that she has believed for a long time. And some of the things that the Bible teaches are right. She was starting to adapt that because of an experience she had. That, by the way, is something that we all tend to do. We take our experiences... And we start to adapt our beliefs based on our experiences. And what I told her is what I would tell you when we talk about experiencing Christ is filter experiences through your beliefs. Don't filter your beliefs through your experiences. It's good to experience many different things in life and, and to, to understand life and to understand what other people believe. 
you know, I can talk to somebody who has faith in a different religion, and I, I can explain to them my belief and, and understand a little bit about what they believe, enough to communicate what I believe is the difference. In fact, I believe the major difference between Christianity and every religion in the world is, is one simple thing. And I've studied the religions of the world. I can't say I've exhaustively studied every religion in the world, but I've studied a lot of the religions of the world, and I've taught on different religions. And here's what I've come to believe. As I've studied them, every single religion in the world is, is ultimately about what you do or don't do. You pray these five things. You do these seven pillars. You, you go to these services. You do these different things. And this is how you earn enlightenment, or this is how you get closer to God, or you get into paradise, the life after. This is how you experience or become part of God. And there's all these different pathways and avenues, right? It's, it's religion. It's man's way of getting right with God. It's, it's about things we do. And what I've realized is the one thing that sets Christianity apart from all other religions in the world and makes it ultimately not fundamentally a religion. It's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has already done. It's what he did on the cross for me. And as I receive what he did for me, I don't earn my relationship with God. I receive it through faith in what Jesus has already done for me. And that's the primary difference. My point in saying this is, is one very important and very simple thing. You have to know what you believe. You, you, have, to ha you have to hold it firmly with convictions of steel. With all that's coming at you in our world and culture and what's coming at your kids, you need to know what you believe. Now, is it good to have other experiences and to understand other religions and the way that other people think? Absolutely, it's a good thing. But go searching out of a position of strength, not out of a position of weakness. So many times I've, I've seen people things like, well, I just I want to know what other people believe or I want to I go figure some things out. I want to get my head right. And they go out and they're not in a good spot. They're struggling and they're, like, they're out in curiosity trying to like learn other things and figure things out. And, and, and they haven't figured out yet what they believe in Christ. And so what I would say is, is get firm into what you believe in, in, in Christ and, and understand what you believe. And search it out and go to Christian sources and go to Christian Bible scholars and learn and hold on to your beliefs tightly. Then go get some other experiences that you can use to help teach other people. And say, well, now I understand a little bit more what you believe. And, and I've, I've studied that. And, and you filtered it out of what you've already studied more deeply and what you believe. I, I hope that makes sense. Let me explain it this way. Um, this last week we had a, a palm branch hanging down from one of the palm trees in our yard. And it was, it was, it was kind of dead. We had a little cold spell earlier this year. And so this, this branch had died. It was brown. It was, it was ready to come off. But, but it, was, it was hanging pretty low. And it looked bad. And, and so I, I was waiting for it to fall naturally. But it was just taking too long. And so I decided I'm just going to pull it off. And so my son was outside in the yard with me. And I, I just jumped up and I grabbed this palm branch. It was quite a bit above my head. But I was barely able to grab it. And, and I start to pull it down, thinking I'm just going to yank this thing down. I, I thought it would just come down because it was so dead. And I pulled really hard, and, and it didn't come down. So I, so I grabbed up a, a, a little bit higher on, on the branch, and I started using my weight to pull. And, and the branch, it wouldn't come off. So I put my foot against the base of the palm tree, and I'm, I'm trying to pull, leveraging myself against this, and it's still not working. So I, I pull up a little bit higher on this dead palm to where both of my feet are now off the air and leaning against the palm tree. And as I'm yanking on it, of course, it's a terrible idea because the palm branch lets loose and poof, I'm flat on my back and my son's laughing at me. I'm, I'm a little sore. And, and I'm thinking, lesson learned. Like, don't, don't put all your weight on this palm branch. It can't hold your weight. Make sure that whatever you're holding on to can hold the weight of your faith when life gets heavy. Life will get heavy. And if you're putting all your faith in your career and your own ability and your self-sufficiency, when life gets heavy and you lose your health, 
or you lose your job, you come crashing to the ground. We saw this during COVID. So many things that people put their confidence in, their fitness, man. They're running CrossFit, and they're eating all the right stuff. And then a virus sweeps through that just taking people out left and right. And it's like, it doesn't matter how healthy you were or not healthy. I mean, it might have helped you a little bit, but it doesn't matter if you were healthy or not. I mean, this, this thing is like killing people. And it's like, man, I didn't see that coming. Or an economic crash or an inflation or a world war. And it's like, we don't, we don't, we don't control these things. They're out of our control. And, and if you have put your weight on something that can't hold you when life gets heavy, you come crashing to the ground. And, and so many of the people in your life and in mine, the people we care about, they are putting their confidence in something that can't hold them, that's not eternal. And our role is to introduce them to someone who has strong enough hands that can handle anything that life brings their way, that can handle any doubt that they bring. One of the things I love that Billy Graham said, he says, you don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible's like a lion. You just turn it loose and it defends itself. Like just introducing the Bible. There's so many stories about people like C.S. Lewis, who was a skeptic of the faith. And, and, and he went reading through the Bible, trying to prove that it was wrong. And he was a very smart man. And he read through it and he realized, man, this isn't wrong. This is right. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he went on and penned some of the most masterful Christian classics. Started out trying to prove that it was false. I mean, you just, you just need to make the introduction and introduce them to Jesus because Jesus can handle the weight of whatever they're bringing. They might bringing, be bringing some past hurt, maybe some church hurt, maybe some religious hurt, maybe a letdown from someone who used and abused them or was terrible to them. They might be bringing some kind of brokenness in their heart or massive questions that you can't answer. But listen, your job is not to fix all their problems. Help where you can, but your one job is to introduce them to the person who can fix everything inside of them that's broken. And his name is Jesus. This final lesson is my purpose is to bring people to Jesus. That's my purpose. Come and see. That's my purpose. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and see. That, that's my role. Come and see. And where does that come from? It, it comes from the last part of this story I want to read to you from John chapter 1. Look, look back one more time at verse 43. It says, right after this, it says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, this, another guy, he, he finds him, he, he said to him, follow me. You see, he's always inviting us to experience him in relationship. Verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. It was a little fishing village. And, and Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see. That, that's your one role. You don't have to defend everything in Christianity. You don't have to answer every question. Your role is to say, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and experience. Come sit with me. You know, I love that we have Easter coming up here uh, next, next Sunday. And, and I hope that you will have an opportunity and take that opportunity this week to, to say to someone you care about, maybe in your own family, hey, come and see. Come and experience what it's like to hear about Jesus. Come and experience what it's like to worship Jesus. It's Easter. It's a holiday. People even that don't even believe in Jesus show up because it's a holiday. This is one of your best opportunities all year to invite someone who is far from God to experience the love and grace of Jesus, to give them the best gift that you can ever give them. Now, Nathaniel, he had all these questions and distractions and excuses and reasons but it wasn't until he came and experienced Jesus. If you read on in the story, Jesus exposed something in him. In fact, he called him out and he said, I, I saw you when you were sitting under that tree. And he said, it blew his mind. He's like, how did you know that I was over there under that tree? See, your friends are going to have excuses and reasons. And they're going to have all kinds of experiences that keep them from following Jesus. Why they don't follow him. 
But I'll end with this very important point. When I, when I was in high school, you remember high school, you had the science class and they pull out the, the microscope, they sit on your desk and they say, hey, look under this, this film and, and you're going to see something that you can't see with your naked eye. And you, and you looked in this microscope and this, this little film, but you couldn't see anything on it. There's all kinds of living bacteria, all kinds of gross stuff that was moving around. Stuff that you touch on your desktop. I mean, it just, it was there under the microscope and you could see it when you look closer. In fact, if you have a bad habit of biting your nails, just, just put your nails under the microscope. It'll, it'll take care of it, I guarantee you. You'll never do it again. It's all the gross stuff living that you can't see with your naked eye. You can see it with the microscope because it's got a, a, a zoomed in closer angle. And, and there's things that your friends can't see right now. There, there's things inside of them that they can't understand about their purpose and where they came from and where they're going and why they exist and why they believe the things that they do and the desires that are inside of them and the struggles they have. They don't see all that where it comes from. And you and I didn't either. But when we got closer to Jesus, it was like that, that holy microscope, that divine microscope that could see and go places where we couldn't go. See things that just, the unveiling of our eyes. And that will happen when you bring your friends to Jesus, but they have to experience him. They have to hear. And how will they hear unless someone goes and tells them? It's your job and mine to tell them our experience with Jesus, to bring them, to say, come and see. And then when we bring people to Jesus, we bring them to hope. We bring them to life. And I hope next weekend you will bring someone to hear about Jesus because one invitation can bring transformation in their life for all time. But I hope that you won't do it just on an Easter weekend. I hope that you'll make a habit of it, of doing it throughout your life, of bringing people to Jesus across a lunchroom table, in a family gathering, in a workspace, everywhere and anywhere that Jesus gives you the opportunity, I hope that you will invite people and bring them to Jesus. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity today to learn about what it means to live on purpose, to live a life that really matters, that has legacy, that lives on beyond us. And God, we know the things that are eternal are people. And when people find you, Jesus, their eternities are changed forever. So God, may we make a habit of looking for opportunities in our life and having the boldness to step into those opportunities to invite people to you. Jesus, we know that that's the most important decision any of us can make. We thank you as many of us have made that decision, but we have people that we care about that have not yet come to that place of faith. So God, may we be bringers, may we be inviters, not just here on Easter, but all throughout our life, bringing people to you, the one who can help them more than we ever could help them. And Jesus, we thank you because you, Jesus, are worthy of all of our invitations. Jesus, you are worthy of every ask. You are worthy of every courageous and bold step we take for you because Jesus, you are the ultimate why behind everything that we do. You have given us your life through your son, Jesus, so we can not only have eternal life, but the best life here and now that's found only in a relationship with you. So we thank you, Jesus, for what you mean to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a great day it has been together. And you know, I hope that God really spoke to you during that time of worship and message. In fact, if you happen to make a commitment during today's service, please go ahead and scan that code uh, so that we can get connected with you. You know, you may be saying, I wish I was more connected here at CE. You can scan that code or subscribe is even better because then you'll know what's going on. Uh, but we also have a website, an app, uh, social media. You can catch us at all those places. No matter how you do it, we would love to connect with you. And I can't wait to see you again next service.